Hey, what is up, guys? Today's episode is brought to you by the incredible sponsors of the program, ChemicalFreeBody.com. If health and wellness is a priority for you, then check out the incredible products over at ChemicalFreeBody. Plant-based nutritional supplements from Super Greens, my favorite, with all the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients, and micronutrients in just one single scoop. Toss it in your glass of water, your shake, your smoothie, however you want to do it. They also have other incredible products, gut detoxers, anti-inflammatories, immune boosters, and so much more. ChemicalFreeBody.com and check out that promo code, it's me, all one word, it's me for discounts at your checkout. And look, we have so many different insurance policies in our life. And if the last couple years has taught you anything, it taught me that storable food needs to be on that list. Prepare with itsme.com, the incredible products over at My Patriot Supply. They have four-week supply of food, three-month supply, all products with up to a 25-year shelf life. Have the peace of mind, ladies and gentlemen, of having storable food and have that supply on deck. It's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. And uh, if you have, you know, shaving needs like nice chrome domes like me, SkullShaver.com is a whole new concept in face and head shaving. The products offered over there include men's head shavers, face shavers, hair clippers, and trimmers. And ladies, we haven't forgot about you with the butterfly kiss. And we also have a large selection of accessories to make your life that much more simple. All of the shavers come with uh, removable, washable blades made of premium Japanese stainless steel to ensure flawless results. It just makes it so much easier. You can get your shaving done anytime, anywhere, in or out of the shower. It gets no better. Skullshaver.com, front slash discount, front slash it's me. All of the links to these incredible products will be in the description of this episode. So without further delay, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the show. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. All right, ladies and gentlemen, off to the races once again for another episode of It's Me Speaking to You. Boy, oh boy, have we had some issues linking up today, but here we are. Um, we had originally set out to talk to uh, a couple of the participants at over there at Polestar Pictures, both uh, Joe Sabatino and John Rain. Joe Sabatino being the executive vice president of production and finance. But I don't know. Skype's not liking me today. Um, but we do have John Rain, who is the president and founder of Polestar Pictures, um, who's going to be chopping it up with us today. John, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing really good. How are you? I, well, I can't complain, but <laughs> we have you here. And i um, looking forward to chopping up with you, man. Uh, how, is, how is this uh, Hallow's Eve? Actually, it's not Hallow's Eve. How is this Halloween treating you over there on the East Coast? Uh, good old Sam Hain Day. Uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of chilly, a little bit drizzly outside, but uh, we don't really participate in the events. We just kind of sit back and chill out in the house. Nothing wrong with that, and that's the very similar vibe we have going over here uh, in St. Yeah. Louis. A rather drizzly, drizzly day. Obviously, the leaves are turning the whole nine. Rather getting kind of cool. The weather's finally turning on us, but. Uh, we have quite a bit to talk about, man. You've got some really cool things going on over at Polestar Pictures. Um, I, I always love a good origin story, and I obviously wanted to pick your brain on you and Joe on how things kind of got started for you. You both have a ridiculous resume of your time spent in the entertainment industry, film, TV production, etc., and it has all come together, and you guys have put an incredible team together over there at Polestar. But for you, since I have you here, when did, I mean, like again, you've you've been in and out of all different aspects of the game here. But when did when did the bug bite you to get into the TV production film game? 
Oh, okay. Yeah, let me address that. But let me let me correct something in, in the beginning here, sure. where you called me the president. And uh, since I originally founded Polestar Pictures about eight years ago, where I switched it over from Rainstorm. Production. Oh, okay. And uh, that has grown into what it is today. And you know, it's not about the title. Like we each have our own specialties in what we're doing with Polestar. Um, and it's, it's really the, thir- the, the guys that are driving this is Joe Sabatino, uh, Mark Weiss, uh, Larry Mealy and Dan because, uh, I'm, I'm really just the creative guy. Okay. Behind. And so I don't consider myself a president of the company. There's five principals in the company at this point. And between the five of us, we kind of drive star where it needs to go but as far as business goes um i let these guys take the helms because well their reputations speak for themselves yeah and if you go on the website uh polestarpictures.com you'll see um the numerous accolades that all of these guys have in the game and big shout outs and thanks to mark weiss for facilitating getting us together um today but you know in totality though you know the whole thing's been around for 27 years and in that time well I guess I didn't let you answer that first question of how you, how you kind of got started in the game. Yeah. Um, well, to be, to be honest with you, a friend of mine, I was going through a bit of a slump, uh, <laughs> with myself and, uh, he says, John, you gotta get out of your slump. What do you want to do? And I said, I never made a movie before. And so they said, well, we'll finance you if you want to make a movie. So I was like, really? And that's why, that's honestly how I got started. And the rest is history. And you have a little background in uh, Elvis impersonation. Is that correct, sir? Well, yeah, my my life in entertainment is kind of like Forrest Gump. I never, <laughs> I never, I never really set out to do anything. You know, like the the only thing I can remember that I ever wanted to really do was I wanted to be evil Knievel. and I was I was riding bikes and jumping things, and that was it. But uh, the chain of events that happened in my life, I kind of stumble fumbled into everything that happened to me. And that's the honest truth. I mean, I stumbled into the Elvis thing. I stumbled into the magic thing. I stumbled into promoting. So it was just kind of like events that I guess were meant to happen in my life that led me to today. Well, and the magic thing you're referring to is, is working with the illustrious and very accomplished Doug Henning back in the day. Doug Henning, I remember... I think it was fifth or sixth grade. I had to, we had to write a letter to a celebrity or something. And I wrote a letter to him and he wrote me back and I forget what he'd sent with it. Oh. But if it was even him who wrote me back, but yeah, Doug Henning, man. Oh, I t- I'm, sure, I'm, sure it was. I'm sure it was. Doug was a very warm, caring individual. And, uh, I, I miss him dearly. He really had a sense of what magic was all about. And he felt that there was a real magic that existed somewhere. So yeah. I was on and really blessed to be able to work with him for a little bit. Well, and that's kind of, I mean, I think that's always really cool when we have, you know, as Bob Bross calls, calls, you know, the happy accidents in life where it's like, you think it's going to be planned from, you know, this linear zero to this place. And so often in life, it just takes us in different places. That's why I always find those kind of stories so very yeah. interesting right i plan to go here but like you said almost forrest gumpish it just took on a completely different but that's like that's a cool thing because like here you are now 
you know, working with these guys. And we're going to talk about some of the big announcements you guys have coming up. Um, mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you would say, you know, distinguish Polestar from, I mean, and, and with this, you know, how is the game changing? It seems like the film industry is changing so much, obviously with COVID, nobody was going to theaters, but um, how Polestar is kind of differentiated from other studios as well as, having to adapt to the different needs of the film game now because enter, you know, streaming, all these different platforms where not only movies, where you got all these series that you could sit and watch for days and days. And, you know, how is the game changing and how is Polestar adapting to that? Well, you know, Polestar was an independent production company. And whenever you hear the word indie, it, it is synonymous with no money. And that's, that's, basically what Polestar was. I mean, it was very low budget to no budget films. And when you've made as many films as I have, you, you really get to learn how to work around no budgets, including scripts. You begin writing scripts to fit no budget and, and how you can make that happen. So that experience has brought me into the realm of major motion pictures where they come at me and, you know, they find it hard to believe that we, we can do a picture for a million dollars and, and really make it stand out where they're spending, you know, 40, $50 million. So that's one of the big things that we have to advantage is, is um, being based here in Pennsylvania in a community that supports us and is behind us and uh, helps us out economically to produce these pictures. Um, that's that. I think that's really what really separates us right now. Well, yeah, you can kind of take, I mean, you know, and streamline the operation, obviously, as I had seen Joe Sabatino talk about on the website, you know, from locations. I mean, there's so many different ways, you know, as a producer, you want to come in as under the budget as possible. But I think that's a very cool uh, MO you guys have to kind of streamline, streamline you guys' operations, keep it local. And like he had said in that video, you guys get a lot of certain things kind of gifted to you to help deficit some of the cost of making the film. And with all of you guys' experience involved, having those kind of attributes and then you're like distribution, it's, you know, you guys are really being able to, like you said, pump out stuff for way cheaper than other studios can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And bringing somebody like Joe on, on board, I mean, it's just, wow. That was just like a big event uh, when that happened. And I can remember how excited I was to have Joe, you know, say, hey, you know, I want to be involved with this. And I think my response was, hell yeah, right away. <laughs> I want to be involved with this. I mean, he's he's been in well over like 100 television and film uh, credits. Um uh, I, I know he was the co-executive producer of Necessary Roughness. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah. And he he really has become a dear friend uh, in the time that I've gotten to know him so far. And he's also been a mentor with me on, you know, what the real business side of this is like because he's been dealing with major studios, uh, major producers, and, uh, you know, he, he, he like he looked at my script and was like, maybe we should do this and maybe we should do that. And he's constantly driving me to do it even bigger and better. And that's that's the one thing that I really love about Joe, that he's always trying to make make it even bigger. And well, and it's really good, you know, it's like anything, it, assembling the right team is so, so very crucial 
And I yeah. think having somebody from what you're saying, like getting somebody, getting somebody like a Joe involved helps get kind of people out of their comfort zone to, like you said, be bigger than what maybe you thought it could be. And it's especially like yeah. something like a film crew and a film studio and that kind of hierarchy. Cause you know, the sky's the limit and you could easily be used to like, no, we're just going to make this like little small budget movie and it's going to go direct to DVD or whatever. And that's kind of your comfort zone. But then you bring in the right people to help you think a little bigger than what you thought it could possibly be. And then here you are, you know, doing some of the things you're doing with some of the growth with the company that's, you know, we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, that was, that was kind of like my, my thing that got me out of what I was doing to what I'm doing now. Uh, because I've spent 27 years of making low budget horror films that were easy to make and they're easy to market. But what is the market? The market is very limited digital platforms and, you know, everybody goes to Amazon. And once you get there, it's kind of like, okay, now what? Because you don't have a budget to advertise what you're doing or promote what you're doing. So even if you have a gem of an idea and a good product, it's still just thrown out there with hundreds of thousands of others. And the chance of being seen is, is really rare. Mm -hmm. So that's what I really got tired of. I got tired of um, putting all this time and effort into these films and then the distribution on them was what I just described to you. So I, I can remember we were going to do another horror film and we were right down to the wire to do it. And, and I called up my partner at that time, uh, Tom Stoops, who's a very good friend of mine. And I said, I'm not doing it. <laughs> he was like, I think he had a heart attack on the phone. He says, what do you mean? We got the film guys coming tomorrow and everything. I said, I'm not doing it. He says, why not? I said, because we got to step up our game. And uh, he said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I have this drama. And he goes, drama? <laughs> right out of his mouth, drama. And I said, yeah, I think, I think this is what we need to do. So everybody was against me with the idea of doing this drama. It was a story I wrote 20-some years ago about a Vietnam veteran. And uh, taking care of a handicapped brother was a reflection of, of my own brother in my own life. And uh, that's what we went for. We did it. And uh, I can remember we, we were on set. We built a, a trailer, uh, the interior of a trailer in an old mortuary um, that, that we got to use. <laughs> so we built the interior of this trailer in this mortuary and we filmed the very first scenes and people were actually on set breaking down and crying. And I knew at that point in time we had something. Wow. Well, that went on to win a Hollywood Screen Award. Uh, for Best Picture of 2019. I was also nominated for Best Actor in that film. And we made it into the Hollywood Times over Oscar weekend, which got us into a lot of, you know, uh, prominent people's homes that were seeing about us and hearing about us for the first time. And that was the road that started paving us upward right there. Wow. That's pretty cool. And I totally can relate to that because it's like I always use the phrase I I stole it from this well whatever it's, it's podcasting is kind of the same way where you're talking about you got a hundred dollar bills on sale for a nickel but nobody knows it 
you know you you put <laughs> you put all that yeah. work into doing what you're doing and it's just and again with podcasting there's an ocean of podcasts out here and i don't mind it everyone right. start a podcast because same with movies same with tv shows the free market like the, the good ones will rise to the top so we shouldn't curtail yeah. people's creative juices to doing movies, et cetera. Cause, and that's the other thing. There's a certain genre. My youngest daughter, she's 15. She's really into horror movies. And we just, you know, like last weekend, we were kind of flipping through what we wanted to see. And I, I showed her the trailer to The Reanimator. I think it's like a 1980s, like old 80s, you know, horror flick, kind of campy, kind of kitschy. But I always loved that whole, a lot of the old school special effects, the Fangoria type stuff. Because, you know, CG's kind of made horror movies a little different now. But, I mean, anyway, I think there's still a, a good market for those kind of uh, kitschy, kind of B-horror flicks. Because they're, they're very, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're very entertaining, quite frankly. They're not meant to be, you know, right. Shawshank Redemption, etc. But, I mean, there's definitely a certain, a certain appeal to it. And, I mean, I think you guys have done a great job um, kind of filling that role. But, like you said, kind of off-air, you don't want to necessarily just stay in the horror realm and the horror genre. Um you know, going to the one you just talked about, you know, the Vietnam element and the kind of a little bit more deeper story element. Where's where's Polestar going today? And if you can speak to the kind of the big announcement that you made a week or so ago on the direction and some of the upcoming projects that you guys have going on. Well, where we're headed right now is, of course, another horror film. Uh, but this horror film started two two and a half years ago. Uh, under the title Evergreen is the Blood. It was another story that I wrote a long time ago. And uh, it was during COVID, when COVID hit, and nobody was doing anything. And my crew was here, was getting antsy. And I says, well, let's go ahead and do this this film. I have this vampire film. Uh, It's it's very isolated. Uh, It's got two main characters. And uh, we can have a lot of fun with it. So that's how it started. Well, as soon as I announced we were doing that film, I, I literally got besieged with actors and people that wanted to participate in the film, which excited me because I thought, OK, wow, now we can do something, you know, really big during COVID. Well, it got out of hand <laughs> and uh, the script, you know, it, it was effects driven and not story driven. And when I filmed it all and we got it all done and I went back and even did some reshoots, I can remember calling up uh, the producers and I was like, this sucks. I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to put out another cheesy horror flick like this. Um, And uh, I canned it and I thought everybody was going to hate me, but they didn't. They actually got excited about it. And that's that's where Mark came in, uh, Mark Weiss. Uh, who's been a good friend of mine for at least 10 years now. And he was involved with me with this. And he says, well, what do you want to do to it? What, what can we do? And uh, I said, we need, we, need to, we need to step back and take a look at the whole script and bring this back into story instead of just how many people we can kill and how many <laughs> effects we can cram into uh, 90 minutes. And he agreed with that. So we started the rewrites uh, back then. And uh, one thing led to another. Joe came on board, and uh, it just grew. We changed the name uh, because the whole concept of the film changed. Um, The characterization uh, of the vampires changed, and it just got big. Mm. Um, The the storyline now is 
Indiana Jones meets the Da Vinci Code meets the grand vampire story. There's real depth and meaning uh, to our story. There's a lot more than just vampires here. Substance, so, substance over style. Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk about you know the niche market out there for these low budget horror films, I got nothing against them. I get them myself, but I just wanted to rise above that because I felt, especially at my age and where I've come, I wanted to do something better. And after just winning the Silver Screen Award, uh, you know, I didn't want to go backwards. Yeah, I didn't I understand wanna, that. Yeah, I wanted to leap forward a little bit. A lot of people that were involved with them got harsh with me about it. Um, you know, it's just the nature of the business. And, you know, I had to get by that and, and move on to where we're at now. So for the last two years, we've been redeveloping, repitching, uh, bringing other people on board. And it's I can't wait to get this film underway now. Great. Hmm. Well, as a part of your announcement, you brought on some heavy hitters who are going to help facilitate you guys getting to that next level. Can you speak to that in any way? Uh, as far as far as the production end of it, you mean? Or um, and you had a couple gentlemen you had announced who were coming on on board um, that have their level of experience. That are all of it from the production to the development to um, just the whole nine of the direction of where you guys are going. Yeah, sure. Uh, do you want to talk about like Dan Sanchez? Yeah, that's yeah, that's what. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, that they actually got involved with this um, as kind of an accident when when Joe was calling to get some information about some other things that we were doing, and he was talking to Dan about it, and they started talking. He said, "Well, what's the project?" And he started telling them about the vampire story, and the next thing I know. Uh, I'm on a phone call with with uh, Dan and Joe, and you know I'm I'm describing this whole story to him. And when we got done, uh, Dan was really impressed with the story. He really fell in love with the story. Um, Dan himself is a very creative individual, uh, and he liked the aspects of things that he saw from me creatively, like I work models I, I did a lot of my own model work for the movies um you know uh aspects prosthetics all that kind of stuff so he was pretty intrigued with all that uh one thing led to another and it came back that you know he really wanted to come on board with this and uh larry got involved the same way so here i got a guy that you know used to run stars and and uh, Lionsgate Films <laughs> is now, you know, coming on my board for Polestar Pictures. I was flabbergasted. That's awesome. I think we all are. Yeah. Well, again, that goes back to, you know, assembling the team. And, you know, mm -hmm. the older I get, you know, when you're younger, you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to be a star. Or, you know, there are no overnight successes. And it becomes one of those things after a while where you really begin to appreciate the journey. Once you meet your destination, it's cool. But you really begin to appreciate the journey that you've gone through. You and your team have gone through when you get these kind of developments like this, you know, five, ten years ago or whatever. You're like, oh, maybe I, maybe I wasn't cut out for this. But through that toil, through that work, through that perseverance, you now have these developments, which you know, help, help change the direction of everything you guys have worked for. So it's 
don't be afraid to put in the hard work, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and uh, never give up. I'll tell you that much. You know, yeah, because in this time frame from two two and a half years ago, it's been a roller coaster ride. There were times where I was just like, you know what, I don't do this anymore. <laughs> but my wife would get on me, and you know, Mark would slap me upside the head. He goes, "What are you talking about? What you're meant to do?" So you know, we'd go on it. But there was a lot of like highs. Like I know at one point in time, we were actually talking with Johnny Depp. Uh, through Jack Wingham's office and Johnny had seen the script and he really liked it and wanted to do it. Uh, but he had a lot of personal problems going on at that time. Uh, some things were said back and forth. So it, the, the project couldn't bring him on. And I was really bummed because we had people that were willing to pay an exorbitant amount of money if he would come on for, you know, a secondary role. And that didn't wow. happen. So I was, I was heartbroken when that all fell through, but in the looking back at everything, the way that we're producing now and the way that we're driving this movie is not star power, which is an old Hollywood standard. Hmm. You know, what started before we'll talk to you. Now it's being story driven, which I really like. And the way that it's going to be distributed is even bigger than the old Hollywood standard, which is something that Dan, uh, Joe, Larry and Mark have all developed. So that's going to be very innovative. And a lot of people are watching us. Well, and I think I think more people are starting to gravitate towards, you know, quality over quantity. And I think they're, I mean, Hollywood will always be Hollywood, but I think that the bloom has kind of fallen off the rose as far as, for lack of a better term, like you talked about celebrity and the celebrity stars and, you know, A-list celebrities. It's like, you know, People are just kind of like, yeah, all right, that's cool if they're involved. But more people want like real stories, real substance. And I think with, you know, me coming from the background, I came and graduate of uh, Columbia College uh, degree in film and TV production, worked in production for several years. So, I mean, I've seen the ebb and flow of the industry and how it's changed. And I think more and more things are moving towards, you know, smaller budgets with more substance. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have these attachments of xyz to break your budget so you can't really make the movie you want because you had to pay for such and such involved i think more people are getting together uh the ubiquitous nature of the technology the the affordability of the technology and i think better story writers are getting stuff made that more people want to see that doesn't have to have some star involved yeah yeah i could be wrong well no 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 you're right on there's there's aspects of the business that you know have definitely changed and are changing uh, the way that we view films now are changing the way we used to view films just kind of went out the window but you know throughout the course of history of film that's always been the gambit it's always been growing it's never been in decline and for the most part for at least the last hundred years hollywood's been depression and recession proof because people will spend their last dollar to go out to the movies to be entertained. Yeah, that's so true. And what I've happened recently here, Jeff, is, you know, say, say an average picture costs, let's say, I'm, I'm going to say $25 million. Okay, $25 million for a picture. And then, you know, you have to have an equal amount for distribution costs and promotion. So now you're up to $50 million. And that picture goes out and... You, you know, you're relying on those box office sales 
and you don't make it in the box office, you know, you used to be able to fall back on like DVDs and that sort of stuff, which would pick up the rest of the sales. Well, DVDs and Blu-rays and all that, they went the way of the dinosaur also. Yeah. So the only way to do it is on some digital platform through some advertising base, and it's very risky. So a lot of the big production companies, you know, are looking at all these factors now. And it's it's smart to do so. I mean, I don't I think you're always going to have your Paramount, your, you know, whatever your 20th Century Fox and your your big big budget pictures. But I think slowly but surely they're starting to realize is the juice worth the squeeze? And that's another question. I don't know if I brought this up already, but just people's participation, obviously, with covid, people don't go to the theater as much. But with streaming and this has been going on for a long time, everybody with their, you know, 80 inch screen at home and. You know, you I can yeah. buy one be I can buy one six pack of beer for eight dollars instead of one beer for eight dollars, and I got the surround yeah, sound, do. and it's that's it, what I do. But it's it's like it's again. I think something about the theater experience will always be the theater experience, but that coinciding with Hollywood and the big budget stuff, recognizing that the viewing habits have changed. I wonder where yeah. where do you think it's all going in the next several years? I mean, again, you're always going to have your Black Adams, which you know, I don't think it's going to do what they want it to do, but you're always going to have your big budget stuff. But where do you see the whole trend going towards as the viewing habits of everyone is changing? Boy, uh, if only I was Nostradamus, I could, <laughs> yeah, I could make a million dollars right now. I, I, I don't know. To be honest with you, I do not know. I see well, But just, just seeing the viewing, yeah, the trends of like, um, what was it I just saw recently? Uh, uh the new Predator movie with um, Amber Mid Thunder, right? Yeah, Prey. I really liked. Yeah, it was it was awesome, but that was that was that easily could have been in a movie theater, but it wasn't. And now she's the biggest thing in freaking Hollywood right now from a streaming movie. And on Hulu, that's yeah. the largest viewed streaming movie ever on that platform. So it's like obviously the trend is changing. Yeah, I I think you know like if you would have been like back in the I don't know how old you are, but you know back in the let's say the 50s, 60s, and you're going to the drive-in theater, that was all the rage, you know, and yeah. all the pictures yes. put out there to get the young kids in with the T&A in them and the, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the movies. And you thought that wave was going to ride forever because that was like the biggest thing. And look look what happened. It, it became a, a dinosaur. Um, and now, you, you know, we just moved into the theater complexes and – then we had, uh, you know, the dollar theaters or the $3 theaters. <laughs> yes. Run so what I'm really honestly seeing is a trend to move uh, theater into the homes, which I hope going out to the theater doesn't go away because that's always just a grand thing to have. It really is. But if the theaters can't make money with it, um, and they're not now, they're losing money because – you know, the the production companies take the biggest cut of the ticket sales. That's why you're paying $25 for a thing of popcorn yeah. because they're not making any money off of those films. So if something doesn't happen, that well is going to dry up and that's going to go away. Mm. But I do think um, it's going to be more advertised-based. I think there's going to be a lot of companies that are going to be paying big money uh, to have their name associated with the film. Um, publicizing the film through in-home viewing. And I think that's going to pick up a lot of the cost of 
the actual uh, uh, movie itself. Interesting. I think that's one on top of uh, actual sales, you know, through home distribution. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, like I said, we've we've all seen the the you know just overwhelming amount of streaming services, and you know I. I find myself, obviously, I sit home and watch movies way more than I actually go to one, and part of that was because of COVID, but but I think you're right. Yeah. Nothing's going to ever replace, just even walking into a theater, just that kind of olfactory, just the smell of a theater. It's got pop. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's very, um, very nostalgic, but uh, yeah, I think it's very fascinating where we're at now. And I wanted to ask you, you know, going back to kind of what started you out, who's who are some of the things and individuals and movies that have influenced you, not just obviously in the horror, horror genre, because you're not pigeonholed, just behind that but you're a creative you're an artistic person who's been some of the ones who've influenced you in your filmmaking uh career you know i get asked this a lot and this is uh, something people just don't believe when i say it nobody i <laughs> i it i didn't get into that aspect of watching a movie like my good buddy schultze um who also does like a, a, our props and stuff uh, behind the scenes of our films. I mean, that guy can tell you frame for frame what happened in Return of the Living Dead. Uh, <laughs> That's who awesome. The uncle is, little girl <laughs> that was killed by the zombie. Um, you know, what the filming day was for that scene. I mean, he's just an encyclopedia of knowledge. And I got into that. I never followed like Star Trek. I never followed uh, Star Wars. I, I just didn't do that. So I think in that aspect, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing comes from me and not really inspired by. Although I will tell you, um, Alfred Hitchcock movies have always resonated with me. There you go. And I think some of the things I do um, are definitely in the back of my head with what he would do. Hmm. Uh, simply looking back on it, I, I like the idea of not really showing the gore, but anticipating it. Yes. You know, and that's and so, and, yeah, no, I'm sorry. That's those, those subtle nuances are so huge in creating fear between like the music, the editing and the direction of how you can do that. I think that's actually genius because you know, going back to, and like I said, nothing wrong with the gore and stuff from back in the day, but that was almost an overcompensation for the lack of story and substance. But when you can freak people out by not, by doing, you know, less is more kind of thing, I think that's genius in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. A, sim a simple, subtle sound of, of a stabbing, uh, you know, that, that, that knife hitting a cabbage, but when you're looking at the big screen and it's going in somebody, but they're actually not showing it. That makes you cringe. Well, and I think in film school, I could be wrong with this name. It's it's a it's called a light motif. It's basically a, yeah. with, like a musical signature. And it, it, I could just use one example, like Jaws. You don't have to see anything. All you need to hear is like, Dun. and you're already right. like already oh something's going down. So I mean, I think that's oh, genius that's that. for for film, filmmakers to be able to utilize all those kind of tools without, you know, gratuitously, yeah. you know, whatever. Less is more kind of thing, but. No, I think that's fascinating. That's, that's interesting that you say that you're not really, because, you know, Anthony Robbins used to say, you know, success leaves clues, and some people, like, pick up on certain clues as they assemble their own kind of repertoire. But I, I don't know. 
I think, I think that's very fascinating. You kind of you don't want to be the next this and that. You want to be the first John Rain, which is really cool. <laughs> well, no, I, I I really didn't do it for that reason. It's not like I'm trying to set myself apart because I'm John Rain. It's just that I didn't do that, and I just kind of fell into doing it the way that I should have done it. Right. I mean, maybe I should have emulated somebody because I can tell you my first film that I did was an absolute piece of garbage. I didn't know anything about filmmaking. And when I sat back and looked at it, I was like, wow. Um, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot in the process of that. And I think the other thing that helped me a lot, Jeff, was working in the magic industry, um, designing illusions. Yes. Practical effects. So I, I took that to my advantage and, and I worked a lot of that stuff into the films and it worked. When people say, hey, that's not going to work. And I'd say, yeah, well, because we're going to trick the eye. And then it happened. That was that was gratifying. Bro, now that is very interesting that you said that. I did see in my show prep that, you, obviously, in our earlier conversation, you worked with Doug Henning and, and Magic. I think that's very interesting to be able to apply and extrapolate that skill of creating illusions, sleight of hand with the film industry. I didn't even think about it to that till just now. But I think that's a very, very useful tool to helping to have that kind of attribute to be able to help suspend people's disbelief, if you will. Yeah. Because when I, when I first started making, my first film was called Dave Oz. Um, it, it, hideous film. Don't look it up. If you do, I'll never talk to you again. It, <laughs> we all had to start somewhere, was, bro. <laughs> really horrible. I mean, really horrible. Uh, it was a, uh, a takeoff on the paranormal activity thing that was really popular back then. Yeah. And the, to make one like that. And I said, well, I don't do a cookie cutter film. I'll do it my own way. And uh, I wrote up the script uh, about this individual whose house was haunted and got his kids out. Yada, yada, yada. But I didn't know special effects. I didn't know any of that stuff. So I had to say, okay, well, how are we going to cut his arm off? How are we going to hit him with a hammer? How are we going to, and we had to sit back and figure this all out. We, you know, the computer was just relatively new back then. The internet was just relatively new. Oh, for sure. It's, it wasn't going like it is today. So we, researching things was a little more difficult. So we just did a lot of things with trial and error. And we accidentally stumbled on things that were actually being used, which was kind of neat. You know, we'd go back later and the guy would say, oh, yeah, that's that's what we call this gag. And I'd be like, oh. Well, we just had some extra duct tape, and that's why we did it that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, some of those cheats, you know, are can be done in editing. You know, jump cuts and things like that. I mean, it's yeah. that, that comes down to the, um, I don't know, the creativity <laughs> of the director and the editor, et cetera. But no, I think that's really fascinating, man. I think it's really fascinating. So you do have you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We'll, we'll fix it in post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that on set, that that term tends to be frowned upon. But it's true, though. Oftentimes, you can fix it in post. Right. <laughs> so what have we got coming up here? I don't want to keep you forever, but in, I, I'm assuming you have more than one project here coming up. What's what's it look like for John Rain and the crew and Polestar Pictures here coming up for the next several months to years or so? Well, uh, right now we're moving forward to get a brick-and-mortar building here in Pennsylvania, and uh, we're, we're trying to move on that before the beginning of the new year. 
Um, and then we're going to, uh, we're, we're planning on shooting around March of 2023 for principal photography. But in the meantime, we've also got the sequel and the prequel that we're working on. Oh, cool. That goes with strategy for vampire tenants. So we're, we're working heavily with all that stuff. How and, difficult is that? Yeah. That reminds me of, I think it was Superman, where they're shooting Superman 1 and Superman 2 at the same time. Is that something yeah. you're doing, or is it just are there different kind of things? Are you shooting it all at once, knowing you're breaking it up into different parts? Well, we're writing for the sequel and the prequel. I mean, for for the middle. We're kind of like Star Wars, starting in the middle. So <laughs> we've got that script pretty much locked down, but we know we're still going to tweak it. So we've taken that script and we said, okay, well, we have to add this element for the prequel. How are we going to tie that into here? So we're looking at everything and, and dissecting it. And we've got a really cool guy that's helping us with this stuff, too. His name's Harry Sheenwolf. Um, he's a, a, a college, well, he's a retired college professor of history. And uh, he's also an author of uh, quite a few historical books. Cool. And he and I met through Aki Aliong. I don't know if you know who Aki is or not. Um, he was the, um, let me see, he was in a, uh, uh, with some of the movies, Chuck Norris, uh, Missing in Action 3. He was the commandant. And, oh, that's uh, some of that uh, Golan Golbus stuff back in the day. Yeah, he's the guy that shot Chuck Norris's girlfriend in that movie. Oh, okay. Uh, he, was, he was also the commandant in uh, Hanoi Hilton. Um, he's a very lustrous career, older gentleman now. Oh well, yeah. You, you posted something about him on your Facebook page. I do remember seeing him. Yeah. That was cool. You guys were hanging out in your living room. I think it was. Yeah. I, it, it was kind of surreal because a key sitting on my sofa and we're watching missing in action three. <laughs> and I, I put up there. How cool is that? That I'm sitting here watching missing in action three with a key. Alley. Seriously. <laughs> That's awesome. One of the most, one of my big moments. <laughs> no, I'm with you. My uh, my little brother, I, think I told you a little bit about him. He's my best friend. I call him my little brother. We've been best friends for 40 years. He used to be head of development yeah. for the Robert Evans Film Company. Robert Evans, obviously, Godfather 1, 2, Chinatown. And they had the, the yeah. suite offices out at Paramount, so I went out and visited him and got to hang out in the office. And he's like, hey, come on. we gotta." I'm sitting here literally hanging out in Bob Evans' office. Rest in peace, my friend. I'm sitting here sitting at his desk with all these pictures of everybody around. I'm sitting here drinking his booze, and I'm like, wow, it doesn't get any better. This. He's like, come on. we got to go to Bob's house. So we literally hopped in his car, drove to Bob Ev Robert Evans' house, and he, he goes back and has a meeting, and I have a tour from his houseboy, Rio, drinking more of his booze, walking around. I'm like, this is so surreal right now. Like, Godfather 1 and 2 is like my favorite movie ever. And whatever, yeah. just hearing the story behind, I was just like, I totally could feel you. Like, I'm. this is not happening. I'm literally on the Paramount lot, Robert Evans' office, about to go to his house. <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> well, that, that, yeah, that, I'm still like a little kid like that, you know. I can remember uh, um, when I met Leatherface. Um, oh wow! Yeah, because Leatherface three was always my favorite Leatherface. So when I when first I saw that him. movie, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it opens up. The first screenshot is August eighteenth, nineteen seventy three, and I'm like, "Holy crap! That's literally my birthday!" <laughs> and I'm like, "Is this based off real events?" It was fascinating. Yeah. But that was definitely a well, classic. He had a 
called me up. He had a, 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 a screenplay that he was writing. Uh, he had like 25 pages of notes on it, and he wanted me to come down. This was already Mahila, by the way. He, he wanted me to come down and take a look at it and perhaps help him, uh, you know, finish the script that he had. So uh, I'm, my girls were still living with me at the time. And I told him, I said, we're going to go meet Leatherface. And I'm like, what? <laughs> we're going to go meet Leatherface. I was scared until they, until they got there. And uh, R.A. just made him feel so comfortable. And he sang my daughter Brandy uh, a song. Uh, what was that song? Whiskey and Rye or uh, what was the name of that? Chris Stapleton? Yes, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So here's Leatherface singing to my daughter in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. These are moments that you're never ever going to forget. Uh, it, it was surreal. Tennessee Tennessee yeah, whiskey, I think it was Tennessee whiskey. It might be a different one. Ten, the song's Tennessee whiskey from Chris Stapleton. I think it might. You might yeah. be. T- yeah, I'm that's not sure. One. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> I mean, luckily he was wearing a mask, so it's like you can't really see him. And almost like the Jason people, or the people who played Jason or Michael Myers, it's like you don't really recognize him. But when you tell him, like, I used to play this person, it. I mean, because my God, that, like I said, I broke my daughter, my 15 year old daughter, in over the last several months of like the classics, The Shining, Text Chase on Massacre. We just saw Saw the other night, um, Shining. But it's just like the impact of movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre had. It's just like you can't ever undermine or, you know, just underplay how huge that was to the genre. So next level. Even today, it still just gives me freaking creeps, man. That's what that's what keeps me going is is moments like that, you know, and becoming friends with our we're like brothers. I mean, we we talk quite a bit. Um, I, I, we did a couple of conventions together and they had all the leather faces at the one convention that we went to. So we got to, you know, he knew everybody. So he's introducing us there. So that was, you know, that was like really cool. Those are moments that I really cherish, you know? Well, and that's, I mean, I think when you, you know, I I guess stay humble and I mean in the industry we're in it's you know a lot of not a lot of humility etc but some of the relationships relationships that you forge can literally last a very long time and there are some very cool diamonds in the rough out there not everybody are jerks in Hollywood and you know you you're probably more of a testament than I I am as far as meeting people who are just like wow this is just a really cool person and I talk to him all the time and we have a good relationship so there's you know definitely some cool folks out in the Holly weird that little, I got to say that about Joe Sabatino. He, uh, I mean, here's a guy that that worked opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, in, uh, Mr. Freeze in the Batman film. And what do know, you mean he worked he, opposite? He worked opposite. He was the the sidekick for Mr. Freeze. In oh the really? Batman movie. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. I guess what is of them? Where I I can't remember what his character's name was. So he's probably going to kill me for not remembering. But he was he was in uh, yeah that movie, the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, I'm familiar. I'm familiar. Yeah. No, no matter what people think about those versions of the Batman movies, you have to watch them. They're 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 not again. They're not Shawshank or they're not Batman Begins or the Dark Knight Returns. But they're definitely entertaining. If you can. If you can go into that with a mindset of like, I'm just going to be entertained by kind of the, the absurdity of it. I, I always found those very entertaining, quite frankly. And as an old comic book fan, I look for camp to some degree. That I need to have some bit of campiness, but 
Yeah, that's yeah. really cool, man. That's right. Yeah. We're going to hopefully have this conversation again with Joe because his background is something very, very interesting as well. Um, just oh my yeah, tried and true, ridiculous resume going back a ways as far as his not only just production side of it, the acting side of it, all of it. And I just, yeah, I really wanted to get you guys together, but we made it work with what we're doing here. He's got he's got uh, such a background, um, a, a plethora of movies and you know script writing, and he's just he's just like the ultimate Hollywood talented guy that. I can't believe that he's with us, you know, because he's just, he's that big. He's that big to me. Well, and it's, you know, it's obviously, it's, I would say it's an obviously a testament of something you guys have been doing right. Cause I know he's not going to sign his name onto, you know, some, some spring chickens who were just, you know, working up the resume. You guys, again, goes back to what I was saying, assembling the right team. And he saw something you guys are doing right. And here you are, man, about to take this bad boy to the next level. And I'm so freaking stoked to see, see how it happens man well like 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 i said in the beginning i've known mark for at least 10 years now maybe more i don't know and his mark weiss mark weiss or weiss his background is in music if i saw correctly yeah he's done a lot of really cool incredible things too um with off-broadway shows and you know working with some of the bigger names and music um, so when I, I actually got involved with him with a, with a low level band that he was working with at the time. And, uh, we just hit up a friendship and we stayed friends that whole time, but he and Joe go way back. Uh, they played, uh, uh, uh I think it's pro football together. What? Um, really? Yeah. And the camps and everything. Yeah. They're, they're both football players. So they've known each other for at least 30 years, maybe longer. So wow. when Mark came on and go, you know, he, he gave 100% backing to him. And, uh, as soon as Mark did that, I, I knew he was okay, but Joe's more than proved himself as a instrumental with the company and just being a really good friend. Well, and that's so cool. You guys have all put in the work. And I, like I said, I love a good origin story. And I love those good, like, 30 for 30. I know it's just related to sports. But I love those good documentaries on successful ventures that really get into, like, the foundation of where it started. So hearing your story, you know, Joe's story, Mark's story, and then how it spawned into this cool thing that you guys are building. I always love those kind of stories, man, because, you know, it's (laughs) – I don't, I'm not even close to on the level you guys are, but it's like I've been in the game long enough and I know there are so many different opportunities to wave the white flag and be like, nope, this ain't for me. So to see people who have <laughs> persevered through that for years and years and years to really not look at things as like failures or mistakes, but just opportunities to learn. And then, you know, like, again, yeah. they don't wave the white flag and then they come out the other end, you know, shining like a new dime. I love seeing that, man. That's why, you know, friending you on Facebook through a mutual friend of ours and just seeing your announcements and seeing where you're going. I really wanted to talk to you and I definitely am super stoked to see where where things are going, man, because you, you, you're really I don't know you, but you seem like a really cool guy. You love your family. And I lo- just loved seeing when good stuff happens to good people. Um, well, I, I appreciate that very much. And uh, the, the key is staying humble and remembering where you come from and always try to do that. I know that I am not money-driven. That's one thing that I'm not. Um, if you think you're going to be able to buy me or impress me with money, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and I, 
one of the things that uh, uh, Joe had told me, he said, you know, that you're the real deal, John. And I didn't get what he meant by that at first, but, you know, he's worked around a lot of Hollywood people. And I, after I got thinking about it, I was like, oh, I know what you're talking about. Now. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Again, yeah, no, this is a in heaven and uh, very, very excited. I, I know my big thing with Vampire Penance is I wanted to direct it. Uh, and, you know, we had some talks about that. I said, when I get on set, I, I've got to be able to do this. And at first it came off almost arrogantly off of my behalf. But explaining myself, it was like, you know, this is my first film that I've waited my whole life to do, and I want to have that shot. And they all handed it to me and said, absolutely. And I told them, whatever happens after this, you know, I'm going to be a lot more open. But this big first film, I've, I've got to really have the reins not to make a pun uh, on this <laughs> film. And uh, they've been so helpful and kind to me about all of that. Well, and that's cool because you're not you're not a spring chicken. You aren't just working up your resume. You recognize that this is the time that you've put in a shit ton of work for. Pardon my language, and that you know <laughs> you you deserve it. You deserve to be able to you know you know like I work for this. So it's, again, you've assembled the right team, and that's cool that they're they don't look at you sideways like oh who's this guy thinking he's going to run everything. They know who you are. They know the work you put in, and they trust you with handing the reins over to you. And it's 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 not even just like a one person thing. It, crews all of that film crews etc it's such a symbiotic cohesive collective relationship that's as somebody who started out and you know as a pa and has done everything from location scout art direction <clears throat> learning to appreciate all the different levels of production is so absolutely crucial because at the end of the day you really can't do a lot of it without having these seemingly small level people pas etc because it's all well everyone's working together man it's all a team effort it is, and it's, you know, the, the director's role, at least the way I see it, is to accumulate the best of the best to put the film together, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm kind of like the, the ringleader gathering yeah, yeah. You know, people together, and I know we've talked with Steve Tolan from uh, Tolan FX. He's done uh, Batman Dark Knight Rise. He's done Jack Reacher. He's done all the special effects for those. And uh, he's going to be coming on board with us as soon as we're ready to bring him on. So that's a, that's really exciting for me to work with somebody on that level. That's cool. Uh, our, our cinematographer, Wolfgang Meyer, that guy, I can't wait to work with him. We've had many, many talks together, just won an award for his Moon Garden film that he did. Knows cameras inside and out. He works everything from 35 millimeter up to the mini Alexis cameras. So he's going to really give this a really cool look and a look that we've talked about. That's so awesome, man. Again, you've assembled the right team, man. Everything is falling into place for you. My friend, I don't want to keep you much longer. I so appreciate your time, and I really apologize I couldn't get Joe Sabatino on, but we're going to have a follow-up episode here down the line where we can all chop it up. Where can we find out what you're up to, man, and what are some of the things coming on and going on with Polestar Pictures coming up here in the future? Well, always watch uh, www.polestarfishers.com. We always post things up there. And, of course, through our Facebooks. Um, you know, we have a lot of things going on Facebook. I think I've got, like, 15,000 followers now on, on Facebook. So there's a lot of people following us there. 
on top of the 5,000 uh, fans that are with us. Um, and that's constantly growing. So the big thing, watch watch that and watch, uh, you know, watch the website. And uh, I think there's going to be some other news articles and stuff that are coming out, too. Very cool. I will post a link to polestarpictures.com and as, weather, as well as any of your other social networking stuff. John, man, it's so very cool to have made your acquaintance and really cool to have been able to sat down to chat with you, my friend. I I admire your, your perseverance, your talent, your... I mean, the, the ability to assemble the right team and to get some really, really cool things going for you guys, man. I'm so looking forward to what you guys are going to be doing here coming up in the near future. Well, I appreciate that. I also appreciate you. You're a, a heck of a host. Well, I appreciate I really that. Our, yeah, you you're, you're, you got a good uh, dialogue going back and forth there. I really, really like it. So, uh, yeah, let's do it again when we get uh, Joe on and let Joe tell you everything. That, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, with all of the stuff you guys have done, I think it's even almost, I don't know, synchronously cool that I only just got one of you. Cause I could literally balancing the two of you guys. It's, you know, I'd, I'd rather dissect you than maybe him than the two of you. Cause it's just like, there's just so much going on with you two, but it is what it is. And we've made it work today. Unfortunately, uh, we couldn't get Joe on, but like I said, you guys are welcome back anytime as you guys have projects coming on, coming up, going down the line to help promote or whatever. I'm uh, more than happy to be here to uh, be your sounding board, my friend. Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate it very much. Absolutely. This has been John Rain from Polestar Pictures, polestarpictures.com. Peace and so much love, you guys. Be easy and take it easy. Enjoy your Halloween today and so much love. Respect.